Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Warlord Games official podcast. My name is Brad, and today we are going to be talking to my absolute, hands-down, favorite guest on this show. This man and I go back quite a few years, uh, and I believe he might have even called me his favorite crazy bald American friend. Of course, I'm talking about the man who is like Santa Claus this time of year and gives us the best presents, as in tidbits of news that we can use uh, to uh, tide us over to talk about all the great Warlord products that are coming out in the months to come. If, if, if it's the guy who's saying what he's not supposed to say because no one else can tell him to stop, it's got to be the big man himself. Of course, I'm talking about... The man, the myth, the legend, John Stollard of Warlord Games, or should I say, the man who is Warlord Games, John, welcome to your own podcast. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? What a great introduction. It is crazy, always... You crazy, bold American. <laughs> who, me? Uh, I do love that at one point, I believe I actually called to your office just saying, yes, I'm the crazy, bald American. You knew exactly who it was. Anyway, oh. John, it is a pleasure to talk to you. How are you today, man? We're all right, mate. Uh, we're all keeping our heads down. It's a very cold day. Uh, I think we're going to get a little bit of snow today by the looks of it. Um, uh, but that's kind of quite nice this time of year, isn't it? So uh, it is uh, quite festive. So uh, I can't imagine you've got much in Melbourne at the moment. No, we don't see snow here ever. But it is a nice, cool summer. And, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I, I am still wearing shorts. So uh, it is not the white Christmas that I am used to growing up in Boston. But, you know. Yeah, you'd get a lot of snow in Boston, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to wear your snow boots in winter. But no, in, uh, it's one of the reasons why I live in Australia, because no snow. Uh, but, John, <laughs> let's we can talk weather all day. But when you're on the show, the Warlord fans want to know what is happening with Warlord Games, what is coming out. They want to know all the hot gossip. Let's start by talking about... You guys have learned a lot in the 12 months, in the last 12 months. I mean, COVID's been hard for the world. It's been hard for everyone. But you at Warlord Games, um, despite, you know, lockdowns and figuring out how everything works, you, you've worked out your logistics. So Warlord Games is going to continue in the future despite, you know, different things that are happening around the country. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, that's a great intro, Brad. Um we when, when it all kicked off we closed down for a week just to get our heads around right. where everything was and uh and uh circle the wagons a bit and see what everybody else was doing seeing what the uh the the minimums and maximums that you, we had to do and mm -hmm. um, pretty pretty quickly we realized that the government ish, uh, view was uh go to work if you can uh mm -hmm. but stay, stay at home if possible of course yeah. Uh, but if you have to go to work, uh, you go to work and just be incredibly careful. And what we had was we've got a fantastic factory manager, a chap called uh, Keith, who who is health and safety obsessed. And without him, we would have had to have closed down. Uh, uh, and the staff rallied around. We went to double shift, two shifts. So mm -hmm. then we we used to be nine till five. Instead, we went from six till uh, two and then two till ten. So we could spread everybody out uh, in the in the buildings. Uh, thinned it out. Uh, some people did could work at home, of course, and that was great. Uh, mm -hmm. The accounts department went home, and the sales guys are all in their offices at home in their bedrooms making their phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, but you 
got to have in the end, you, you, there's got to be a big sweaty caster making something, and you can't do that from home. Correct. So we just, uh, by spreading them out across our uh, two shifts, we were able to put, you know, at least 10 foot between everybody uh, and everybody's masked up and, uh, you know, all the, all the good stuff, sanitizing everybody. And uh, without Keith, our factory manager, we would have been in trouble. Uh, but he's been an absolute star. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, anybody who didn't want to work uh, was furloughed. That was fine. Don't come in. We're not going to force you to. But everybody else has just done really well. So we've managed it well. Uh, this is the third lockdown we've had. Uh, but again, we're working through it and uh, still making, still sending stuff out. Um, figure painters are painting at home, figure designers are working at home. Um, so we're still able to create and, uh, and get stuff out to the shops. Exactly. And that's, that's so exciting to see. I mean, some game companies are mom, pa organizations, you know, it's, it's a guy or two working out of their, you know, their shed in the back or their garage. And oftentimes with historical games, it's smaller operations like that. But having worked with you guys for quite a while, Warlord is a much larger organization. And so the transition to, you know, proper safety conscious operation during COVID would have, as you said, would have been a logistical nightmare, I'm sure. I was super glad when you guys were able to reopen so quickly. And, you know, we had different people on because um, Gabriel came on to talk about Black Seas at one point, And he was talking about the double shifts. He was talking about how everything had been spread out, how a lot of people had gone back home um, to do the same work that they'd done at, at their jobs. And that's in, mo in a lot of jobs. That's very common these days. But the gaming industry, you and I have both worked in other game companies. We worked together in other game companies. And sometimes when you look at the operations of larger game companies like yourselves, the logistics of actually figuring that all out can be very difficult. So again, very happy that you guys are able to figure out how to do what you do as well as you do and be safe at the same time. Awesome. Well, I guess, I guess a really good thing to have uh, mentioned, Brad, because it is obviously very pithy at the moment. Um, so uh, we've got 101 people now at Warlord. Mm -hmm. So uh, there is that's a, a fair few people to keep in, uh, keep paying their wages and everything. Um, I suppose the only place that we've stumbled is with our suppliers, because we're, we're fairly vertically integrated. Uh, so mm -hmm. we make out almost everything ourselves. But stuff that we do buy in, we do buy in the actual uh, injection molded plastics. Mm. And sometimes, you know, uh, there will be a delay in getting those arriving to us, you know. And uh, so third party stuff is what I'd say. Exactly. Uh, so it's sometimes tripped us up. But again, you know, but these these poor people are, you know, again, working their own safety systems. And uh, uh, and it just make, puts a bit of a, uh, a, knot, a knot in the line, if you like. Uh, uh, but uh, it's starting to come through now. And uh, uh, the other thing I would say is how wonderfully patient a lot of our customers have been. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, our, our customer service department, we've got four guys in there. And though they've been very busy over the Christmas period, they haven't been um, harassed by people demanding their stuff. People have said, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I can wait. And people have been remarkable in that respect. I mean, Warlords um, always had amazing fans, right? And I think this is just another indication of how great the fan base for uh, you know players of and lovers of the things that you do. Well, they've been so patient. I mean, they really have. And it's uh, um, quite touching, really. It is. But I mean, it's also but people also understand. I mean, people understand it's COVID. You know, these everything in the world has changed. 
Um, but you guys, un- I mean, there have been plenty of other games where and game companies that have not been able to deliver and customers have been very upset with them, but they haven't been able to get as organized as quickly and as coherently as you guys have. And you, you, I mean, very few of your things have been pushed back. You've been able to get product out as quickly as you can. You did shut down for a little while, as you said, but it was a very brief amount of time to get things set up. And in the meantime, I mean, you guys were active online. I know that we recorded quite a few catch up, like visiting Warlord games we haven't talked about for a while on this podcast. We did quite a few short, sharp um, catch up interviews with authors and with people in the community. And everyone was saying the same thing that, you know, it, Warlord's going to get back on its feet quickly, which he did. And, you know, look at all these great games you can play in the meantime. And it's just been really great. And Throughout that process, you guys were putting out through your website solo scenarios for a lot of the games that you already made so that people could continue to play. So I think you guys have been really aware of gaming in the age of COVID and pivoting to allow people to continue to do so, which is fantastic. Well, thanks, Brad. Appreciate that. I'm a fan. What can I say? Well, let's let's move on, John. Now, I know that one of the, the very first things that is going to come out uh, as far as that isn't out yet but will be out soon is the complete hardback Victory at Sea book. Now, of course, in the core game for Victory at Sea, there was a rule book, and I own it. It's great. It gives you all the rules you need to play. And that gives you, when you buy the game, you get cards for every ship that comes in the box. And every time you buy a ship for Victory at Sea, you get a card as well. And all of the rules that you need to play are on the front of that card. So it's, it's very easy when you set out your board to have your cards for your ships laid out. You know exactly what's going on. At a glance, you don't have to go flipping through books. It's all there. But you also have all the additional refit information on the back of the cards. So you get a huge amount of information in that box. But what you guys are about to put out is a 280-page edition um, to Victory at Sea. It's the full rules from the box, plus rules for submarines, plus rules for MBTs, which I know are your favorite, plus... 50 pages of scenarios and 140 pages of army lists. Amazing, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, this is the madness of Matt Sprang, the most marvelous man around. He is deeply obsessed, that man. He makes us look like rank amateurs. Right? Um, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's, he's good in a crazy way. Uh, and it's going to be enormous. I was saying to the mail order guys, so you you've really got to start banging on about how huge this book is. Yeah. And it's going to be lovely. You know, it's to, it, even if you're not mad keen on World War II, it's just going to look beautiful and uh, have all that information in there. Um, uh, very excited about that. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, it's just going to be great. Very excited about that. It is a and, wonderful book. Uh, and I say this, and though you listeners at home can't see this uh i am holding up the book to show john look what i'm holding (laughs) the book and it is absolutely gorgeous i and i you know i i say this as a fan of the game yes i know i'm biased i know i do the warlord games podcast but it is 
I highly recommend it. It is a wonderful addition to the Victory at Sea's pantheon of releases. Um, and man, as Matt has said, and will say on a future episode of the Warlord Games podcast, coming soon, he literally went out, his goal was to put everything that floated in World War II in that book. <laughs> and he came close. It's amazing. Now, it is, uh, I mean, I... I... I did notice a comment on one of the forums a while ago saying, saying, why on earth would I buy this big book? I've got all I need to play. I think well, once you see it, you'll want it. Exactly. You really will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sure. As yeah, you say, have, have it, you have course, everything yeah. you need to play. Great. But if you want more and there is so much more, uh, yeah, it, it really does add to the game significantly uh, in a really cool way. But... We we're yep. just looking at the uh, the new releases we've got coming up. We've got the Turpits yes. coming out in the next week and the uh, Graf Zeppelin for the Germans for their aircraft carrier, oh, so uh, which good. I'm sure will be really popular. One of, it's one of those interesting things. We said, when you say everybody knows pretty much that the Germans didn't have their aircraft carrier finished, mm -hmm. but it's a great what if, isn't it? And, uh, mm -hmm. and then you think, how many should we make? Is it going to be popular? And you think, well, I don't know. Technically, we shouldn't sell any, <laughs> but mm -hmm. come on. Uh, everybody wants a an aircraft carrier, don't they? They do. And, uh, and uh, so uh, I think it would be a surprise hit. Well, as someone who owns uh, an IS-3 and uh, several Earthsass Panthers that you guys make, I, I have to say that uh, the the what if slash the weird and wonderful only a few existed on the you know in the battle. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. So yeah, oh, those would be cool. And plus, it's one of those things that you know a lot of us know what ships look like. Uh, in the World War II conflict, you know, different theaters, to have that, which, you know, is, is, a, is a ship that we don't necessarily, at least I don't know what it looks like. Um, it would just be something new and fresh, and it would be for the game and the theater. It's amazing. Well, it, it's a good-looking um, ship, and, uh, you know, it came, came near to being, uh, you know, finished, and uh, mm -hmm. had uh, 109s and Stukas on it, which is nice. Uh, cool. Slightly modified, so... A nice mixed force, a strike force there. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it should, should be a big hit. I think so, too. But if we're going to talk big hits, John, you guys dropped a bomb in late December. You showed us a video. You showed us a release. The upcoming America Civil War Epic Battles box. I mean, we know Black Powder. We, we know the game. It's great. We know the supplement, glory, glory, hallelujah, the American Civil War, ACW, expansion for that. Um, so those rules aren't new. But what is new is the Epic Battles America Civil War box. Now, let me just touch on what's in this thing. This beast has, and it's, the Union Army has 12 regiments, 12 cannons, and 12 mounted commanders, all in blue plastic. The Confederate Correct. Army also has 12 regiments, 12 cannons, 12 mounted commanders. It comes with green bases for all the figures. Now, I bring up the colors because I know that not everyone who's super interested in playing all the games ever maybe aren't interested in painting. If you just want to bust open the box and play with these models, you can. The Union's in blue, 
the Confederates in gray, and the bases are green. Stick them on and play some games. Um, you have the A5 Black Powder Rulebook, and there's a 32-page American Civil War background scenario booklet, which has some of the information from Glory, Glory, Hallelujah in it, but is specifically designed to work with this box. There's flags. Um, there's an MDF Dutch-style barn made by Sarissa. There's snake fences. And, of course, you get the dice. How great is this? Not bad, is it? Oh, it's amazing. Um, yeah, now if you... Um... If you, yeah, you can. It's a couple of things here. We absolutely made it so you could assemble it you know, almost like uh, straight out the box. Click the models into the bases, the two strips to each base, mm -hmm. and and off you go. Uh, um, and it's a bit of a nod to the old Airfix soldiers. When you know, when I was a kid in mm -hmm. 1965, 66, you you got your Airfix uh, Union soldiers, and they were in blue. Mm -hmm. And Airfix did the kind of cheat that. The Confederates, they just had a, a head swap and, uh, and they were in grey. So it's a bit of a nod also to the old airfix, uh, which a lot of us will say, ah, I know what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of neat, quite kind of fun. Uh, another way of looking at it, you say you, you get 12 Union regiments, uh, but the, the way we've modelled them is on a strip, you know, elbow to elbow. Mm -hmm. uh, and arguably you get 2,400 models in the box for £90. <laughs> Which is a lot of miniatures. I'm going to say that again. 2,400 models. Well, infantry. Infantry models. Not including the rest. For Correct. 90 pounds. Now, yep. these aren't... To, it should be said, and I, and I have not said it so far, so I'm sorry, you guys at home. This is not 28 millimeter. If you don't... So, so don't flip out that we're saying you get that many 28 millimeter models in a box yeah. it is 15 millimeter or to be more precise it's 13.5 millimeters from base to eye level is that correct john yes uh -oh. and as you say the the models come in strips so if you're then freaking out thinking i have to put 2400 models on bases individually again you're stop right there you don't have to do that they're modeled in strips, as John said, elbow to elbow. So they actually all link together nicely, and they're plastic. So they are easy to cut uh, cut out of the sprue and stick onto the base. Great um, casting quality, so it'll be nice and crisp. So you also don't have to spend a lot of time, hopefully, cleaning up mold lines or anything like that. You're ready to go. Oh, and John's holding one up in front of the screen. Of course, you guys can't hear that, but I am being very jealous looking at this. John, those look great. Now, how wide are the strips? Hmm. I'd, I'd say they're two inches wide. Okay. Brilliant. With 10 men on each strip. Oh, brilliant. So when you have all of these together, now I, I have heard that, I mean, Clearly, you are part of a group um, that plays black powder on a very large scale normally. Um, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, have played games that are literally, I, I, okay, you tell me, how big was this? The big anniversary game, how large was that? Ooh, uh, oh, well, we, we're a bit spoiled being in Nottingham because mm -hmm. uh, you get, 
chums like the Perry Twins and Rick Priestley, mm-hmm. who have got their own gaming rooms, um, and uh, uh, and I have my own now as well. Uh, so we're a little bit spoilt um, because people like the Perrys or Rick just have huge collections. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going round the houses a bit here, but they are big, blooming big battles. Um, but with black powder, it's it's it, you. It doesn't seem to matter how many regiments you put on the table you still get the game played in three hours um that's the joy of it yeah. uh, but the great full panoply of looking at i don't know with probably six brigades of five, uh, if if five things are in a brigade there's probably six brigades aside yeah so 30 units easy against 30 units but uh that would be a medium battle right but uh, if if you're playing on normal 28 millimeter if you want to play in the in the 156 scale and you want to play yeah. the larger battles, I mean, you have to play on 12-foot tables uh, to get the full spread to yeah. get it all in. I mean, yeah, I, to, I would recommend certainly a 10-foot table. Yeah, yeah if you're playing, table for sure. and, and I'm talking the big battles, not, yeah, not what John was describing just then. But what this does, by putting it into 13.5-millimeter models, you're able to get as we talked about, huge numbers of units on the table because black powder is written intentionally to scale up and down. And so what you guys very cleverly have done is by scaling the models down, all you have to do to play the game as it's written is have the distances for movement and for shooting. That's it. Perfect. That's it. That's the secret. Half everything. And you can play it on any size table. Uh, The other thing that people got a little bit hot under the collar about um as in their excitement largely mm-hmm. don't get me wrong they're saying so they say so each battalion then is five strips put together i said yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you've got a command strip in the middle then t- uh, then two others on each side and they said well that's nearly a foot long that's still very very wide uh and i said yeah that okay and generally they are in line at troops in the american civil war mm-hmm. uh, but the uh, the John Stallard police are not going to come to your house if you put three strips down and call that a regiment, right? Because that will still be, that will still be uh, you know uh, uh, great looking models. That'll still be sixty men or whatever, yeah. And it looks great at just a block of three, and that gives you an extra two to go to another to make more regiments, of course. Mm-hmm. So so and black powder is very very forgiving, you know, on, on that sort of stuff. That's by its very nature. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah. So it in, so in general, we would recommend five strips to a regiment. But if you want to use four or three, that's just fine. That's cool. That is very cool. And if 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 you are looking at this box, if you go to the Warlord Games website, it's up there now. Um, you can look at all the great models and the terrain and see what we're talking about. But if you want to get a head start, if you want to start reading the rules, you don't have to wait. You can literally buy the Glory Glory Hallelujah and the Black Powder rule set right now. The rules are already out. You can already get reading. You can already start pushing models around. You can actually start playing it in 28 millimeter if you want, just to get your head around how it all works. And then you will be ready when the game itself drops. Now, if I'm, am I correct? This is coming out in the next couple of months, John? Uh, February. Yeah, exactly. So, wow, that's even sooner than I thought. So we will see it next month, and that will be... Oh, that'll be a good day. Um, towards towards the end of February, to be fair, that's yeah. when it will come out. Still, I mean, that is very soon, and that is a lot of plastic. Now, if I've heard correctly, this is the same size box 
as the Pegasus Bridge release that you guys did previously? Yes, I'm, I'm not sure we uh, quite realized uh, how big the box was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other reasons for doing it, by the way, is um, it sort of became, it's something that I wanted to do for a number of years. Um, uh, now, when you were kids in America, you had your DC comics and your, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, uh, and England, we didn't have we didn't have color comics because of but because of the war. Yeah. Uh, we honestly we still have black and white comics when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Uh, all when I was growing up, uh, Victor and Valiant and all the other uh, 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 comics of our youth, they were all black and white. Yeah. And I had a next door neighbor in Scotland, Kevin Macara, he was called, who fancied my sister. <laughs> and uh, here's some gossip. And uh, and he was one of those kids who he, he had DC comics. He had American comics. And we had, there was no way we could get, I don't know how he used to have them, but he mm -hmm. did. And we were insanely jealous that he had Batman and Spider-Man and everything else. Mm -hmm. And we had some pretty dumb comics. Anyway, uh, <laughs> in those in those comics, if you remember, Brett, uh, they would have those adverts for the Battle of the Bulge. Yes. Get 500 tanks, exploding mm -hmm. tanks. Mm -hmm. And then American War of Independence, a log fort, hundreds of models, Indians, yes. Grenadiers, and Hessians. And then they'd have the blue and the gray. They say, you know, uh, you know, uh, here we go, artillery and cavalry. And, uh, and these dreadful pictures of these hand-drawn soldiers. Mm -hmm. um, you got hundreds sort of thing for $7 or whatever it was. And they used to pack them in a in a foot locker, is what the idea yes. was. So you put them in a foot locker mm -hmm. and put it under your bed. Well, when I was seven, and you're quite an impressionable young boy living in Glasgow, as I was, um, I, uh, uh, I used to think, I need to, that's what I need to get. Mm -hmm. So I'd go to my dad and say, Dad, can we buy those? And we'd look at the advert, and it first of all, it asked for a zip code. Well, there's no such thing as a zip code in England. Yeah. We'd never heard of it. So, so dad would just say, no. There was no way of sending money to America in those days. No. It was just impossible. You might as well ask to go to the moon mm -hmm. as that. But in my head, I always wanted to do a massive big box of American Civil War soldiers. So that's when it came to the briefing, uh, Paul Sawyer, God bless him, said, well, how, what are we going to put in there? I said, loads. He said, well, you know, six regiments. I said, no, 12 regiments aside. And he... He gave me his his look. Yes, said, really. I said yes. Yeah, stick them all in. Make it amazing value. And he said okay. And uh, I, that look of the man who actually has to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and carry it off, and design a box that's big enough to take it, and get the artwork done in time, and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. All the practical stuff that bosses don't have to worry about. Yep. So I said. So I just yes, on you go. And to be fair, Paul's done a brilliant job with it. You know, yeah. he's a. Uh, he's done a great job and you know you then have to get the that barn that Sarissa are making for us you know and uh, and you say yeah that would be great to stick a barn in there you know we, we were going to put two in there but in the end we couldn't fit it in the box right we were going to put another, yeah. another farm in uh, another building quite a famous one from Gettysburg I've forgotten the, the somebody's farm I can't remember what it's called now but we couldn't quite fit it in the box so uh, we had to leave that out <laughs> but there we go Amazing. so it's very exciting yeah, and the, then of course we've also got the brigade boxes coming out, which again is uh, you get three regiments. It's the same plastics, but put mm -hmm. into smaller boxes, so you can add your brigades as you go. You know, to add add three regiments and and three and a battery of artillery each time. So, so you can build it that way rather than just buying them. You don't actually have to buy the big game if you didn't want to. You could just buy them individually in these brigade boxes. 
Nice. But now, it is such a bargain, you'd be mad not to buy the big one. Exactly. And you took the words right out of my, right out of my mouth. Now, a lot of people have asked, is this a one-shot, done deal? Is this going to be the whole thing? Because you do, I mean, just by having those troopers for both Union and for Confederates, by having the commanders, having the cannons, you get a lot of replayability out of that. A lot of people were asking, is this it? Or is there more coming out for this? Now, there are more releases down the pike. In fact, there's several waves of them, correct? Of, of more things that are coming for this game in this scale. Yes, th three waves, I would suggest. Uh, so uh, first wave is the main game, the book. Uh, we will re-release the book as well at the same time. And those brigades, so the infantry brigades. Then we'll be releasing the cavalry, uh, which look very nice. Those are going to be done in Warlord resin, by the way. Ooh, very nice. Uh, and so they won't be inspiring, but um, our understanding of the Civil War is that it, despite the fact there were tens of thousands of cavalry in the American Civil War, they generally weren't on the battlefield doing cavalry things. They mm -hmm. were off raiding and guarding and doing what cavalry do, mm -hmm. uh, fighting each other a lot. You know, uh, but it's not like the Polyonics, is it, where there's mass brigades of cavalry waiting in the wings. Exactly. So uh, the cavalry look lovely uh, and uh, they look pretty good. And we've done a good job on doing them uh, uh, dismounted cavalry as well. And uh, as we know, they did a lot of skirmish. First day at Gettysburg, for instance, uh, Union cavalry was keeping the Rebs away for a mm -hmm. while. Um, uh, and then we've done the horse holders because it just looks great. Again. Yeah. Not really necessary, but they just look fantastic. Exactly, right? Uh, uh, and then the, the last two or three things to finish off, we've done a, a, a beautiful limber with uh, uh, another cannon, another style of cannon. Mm -hmm. That's very nice. Uh, a covered wagon, just because we could. Mm -hmm. It looks lovely. And then we've got, uh, oh, some skirmishers, uh, uh, sort of uh, sharpshooters. They mm -hmm. look nice. Uh, and zouaves, a nice zouave regiment. Uh, which I would argue you could use for either side. I, I mean, I know there weren't that many zouaves, and after a while they change uniform, and you know, mm -hmm. but everybody wants zouaves. You know I mean? Yeah, they're just cool. Yeah, they and are. then we've got the and we've got the um, Iron Brigade as well. Oh, fantastic! In their in their hardy hats, and they look really nice. They look very good. Oh, very so many good things coming, and those so, so will be that, and those will be coming out in the months after the big box. Yeah, not not too too late after because i'm quite keen to get it all out if you know in a bit of a bubble you know as close as we can i would think within a couple of months it'll all be out but you know there's a lot to paint to start if you've got to paint 24 yeah, exactly. regiments yeah but I, I painted i painted a strip the other day and i took it home and it took me 22 minutes to paint uh 20 you know 20 soldiers uh and uh and i have to say it, it looked great um because the secret is to uh the design brief originally was not to put too much detail on uh, because um, I learned from Brian Ansell, the great uh, winged avenging lord who mm -hmm. did everything at Games Workshop, and he is a much wise man. He was always against making 15 millimeter models because, uh, largely for economic reasons, uh, but uh, uh, because when you cast miniatures, uh, the cost of the miniature, the vast bulk of the of the cost of making a miniature is not the metal, of course. It's the process. It's always time. Right. Paying a caster to stand there repeatedly and make great casting, you know, cast, 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 cast. That's where the money is, is in designing the models in the first place and, and labor. 
Mm. Uh, so the, the actual cost of the metal, whilst not insignificant, is not uh, the main part of the thing. Right. So, uh, so the problem is you've got the same costs for making a 15 mil model almost uh, uh, as making a 28 mil. But war gamers never wanted to pay more than tenpence for a little model. They say, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's only worth that." So, but it's a f- bit of a false economy in the end. Uh, it is, and of course, uh, and then figure designers, uh, uh, war gamers want detail. And if you put all the detail on there, they will paint it, which then slows them down. So they put as much effort into painting a 15 mil model individually as they do a 28 mil model. But if you can see a belt buckle, you'll paint it. You can't help yourself. You're a war gamer, right? Um, uh, and so Brian was quite right in saying he said, but but then if you can't paint more models, then people are still going to only only, only going to buy twenty four models to represent the same thing as they would in twenty eight mil. Mm-hmm. And you think, yeah, I see where you're coming from, Brian. Yeah, yeah, I see. Very wise. Anyway, our designer couldn't help himself. He's put loads of detail on all of it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, and they just look lovely. But the, the secret is to paint quickly and just paint all the trousers all in one go, one pass of you know that sky blue for the unions mm-hmm. and you know whatever and just keep painting cheerfully slap the paint on put a dip over it done and they look fantastic yeah. and with the paper flags it, very quickly it looks like a union regiment very very quickly oh and, that's uh, fantastic so uh it's just have a cheerful manner and a cheerful way of painting them and uh and they just look great yeah. they, they really do yeah, having painted a few 15 millimeter models, I think you and I may have p- painting the same 15 millimeter models for a different game way back when. Uh, I think I went the route of madness where I was trying to highlight everything three times, and I just went, "Yeah, no, no," um, because as you say, if you just less is more, mate. Less yeah, is more. Exactly, especially since. Uh, you know, when you start painting something in that scale, if you really dig into that detail, you are holding it right next to your face to be able to see it. No one is going to actually do that once you're actually playing a game. Three foot rule rules. And that's, as you say, base coat, wash, call it a day. Done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, if you want to do your general, fine. Yeah. Paint him up as, yeah, do your general nicely. Do the Iron Brigade nicely. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of them, just, it's just it's so easy. To, it's a, they're a joy to paint. Especially. The details for- quite exaggerated. The, the, the detail is slightly exaggerated uh, 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 on all these models. So, again, the three-foot effect is what we were going for. Exactly. And and also, American Civil War, if you start looking at photos of the actual conflicts themselves, people are usually pretty dirty. So, you know, it yeah. doesn't have to be parade ground meticulous. Yeah. In fact, quite the opposite. But, John... As excited as people are about ACW epic battles, and I am super excited, I get it. I know we're going to get mugged if we don't talk about bolt action because so many people who listen to this show love it. Now, we have a really exciting big release coming up for that, which may not have been leaked yet. So uh, shall shall I pass you the mic to uh, talk about a box that I know you are excited about? Tell us a little bit about Warlord's big upcoming plastic kit. Oh, Brad, you're so evil. You know I tell you everything. <laughs> um, I always forget what I'm not meant to say. Uh, and if they tell you, whatever you do, don't mention that. And then you, the only thing you can think of is that. Of course. Um, uh, well, I'll come, I'll, I'll come on to I'll, I'll tease you with what I saw today. Ooh. I was just down in the, in the resin room, in Rachel's resin room of doom. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there were some parts there for converting our uh, our opal blitz oh, cool. um, plastic thing into the uh, 
an ambulance version, which will look great, mm -hmm. uh, a tanker, uh, that would look really good, and yeah. uh, and a radio wagon as well, a radio, command radio version. Brilliant. So be, those, those would be resin parts, I think, to, to probably, to, I, don't they, I don't know if they go with our plastic kit or with our old resin opal blitz, but they're there. So three more opal blitz bits, which look really good. Nice. Uh, what else have we got coming out? Oh, I did spot, this is exciting, uh, I did spot a yak tiger in plastic. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Can you say that again for the bolt action fans in the audience? Because I just perked up my little ears. Did no, because I'm not allowed to mention it. <laughs> did you say a yak tiger in plastic? Oh, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, to do a yak tiger in plastic? No That'd one would do that, right? Heaven forbid. Only a madman would put that out. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I was, maybe I was drunk. I just imagined it. Maybe, maybe. But, um, and then we got the uh, oh, what's the M the the M three the Stuart the late late war Stuarts mm -hmm. um, uh, the rather ugly looking things yeah uh, with the motor motor gun carriages the M three with a seventy five yeah we've got that those are coming out we've got that we've got that all finished they look very good brilliant uh, they, they we'll be putting those out very shortly for those uh, who may not know your military vehicles the m3 of course is the american half track that has the gun carriage on the back with various at slash artillery pieces that the americans basically just strapped everything on um yeah, so yeah. and then and then what else we've got coming out uh, oh i think we've got a pretty sure we've got an stks 222 in plastic coming out oh fantastic being worked on so uh, everybody loves one of those. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, so that that would be neat. Uh, John, I, um, I when I was teasing you earlier, I was teasing an infantry box. Uh, oh, for right, one that right. you I know are excited about. Now these are all great, and I am so excited about these plastics that you're talking about. But I absolutely want to talk about, and I'm vibrating in my chair. I want to talk okay. about I'll Commonwealth. Cough. I'll cough. British and Commonwealth, World War II, uh, Tommy Atkins, Canadians and Brits. Brilliant. South Africans and everything. Uh, redone, replacing our old box set, which is very nice. Mm -hmm. And has been done 10, 12 years of good service. Yes. But these are uh, possibly the nicest plastics we've done. Designed by Wojtek, our lovely miniature, mm -hmm. Polish miniature maker. Because he is miniature, he's only five foot tall. <laughs> uh, but he's really put his heart and soul into these fellas. Uh, and they're Sten guns everywhere, um, uh, Bren guns up the wazoo, two-inch mortars, uh, and they've got a choice of heads. They've got the Tamashanta for the for the Scottish 51st, 51st mm -hmm. Division, you know, on, on the sort of oblique on their hats. They oh, look yeah. really good. And uh, there's every chance, uh, now Paul will shoot me, but uh, uh, every chance we'll do some uh, an extra sprue, which will give commando heads. Yes. Uh, included berets and also the the, the cat comforter, you know, mm -hmm. just, uh, the, just the soft hat which they wore as well. That that's going to be coming out, so that will be really exciting. So that is yeah, great. I, we're talking about that in about a. We should be showing them off in a week or two at the mm -hmm. most. Uh, but they look jolly good. They're very nice, and uh, uh, I'm sure there's a pit in there as well somewhere. Well, let's Everybody let's needs, let's quickly be specific because I know that a lot of people might be thinking, but wait, Warlord just put out new Commonwealth troops a, a year or two ago. They did, but those were desert Commonwealth troopers. Yeah, this is maybe Italy. exactly, and these are to replace the original 
uh, Commonwealth Trooper box. They came out, as John said, about a decade ago. Um, these yeah. are brand new, uh, you know, not short wearing, full pants, full uniform with the different options. Um, what you would normally expect if you were thinking of British in, say, European conflicts. Right, John? Yeah, that's, that's them to a T. And uh, they look jolly, jolly good. They we're very pleased with those. Very exciting. Well, John, I know that we also have some exciting stuff coming up for your game, the game that you love more than anything else. As I said earlier, you do love your uh, motor torpedo boats. Let's talk about Cruel Seas. Yeah. Yeah, Cruel Seas. Um, uh, I, I do like it as a game. Uh, uh, I quite thrill to most torpedo boats. I don't know why, but uh, they just kind of... I think because they were in the comic books when I was a boy, uh, uh, the couple of the characters uh, were in, in the Victor comic in black mm -hmm. and white, and uh, they were uh, running around torpedoing German battleships every week um, in a rather unfeasible manner. Mm -hmm. But uh, there we go. But uh, anyway, Cruel Seas, um, uh, we're not going to have a huge amount more for it, but there's a few bits to finish off, to finish off the range. And we've got a really nice uh, Italian submarine. Mm -hmm. uh, which will be cool. That's very nice. Some three more uh, Fairmile type uh, British motor torpedo boats of various marks, uh, which I can't remember which they are. They're all a bit complex. Um, uh, then some Japanese tiny junks, uh, uh, kind of really tiny uh, 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 little barges with machine guns on them. Nice. Uh, so, you know, so you, you a whole string of them together would give you five machine guns, you know, to fire. So give them some chance of fighting back against those evil PT boats mm -hmm. coming to sort them out. Uh, and then finally, uh, something which uh, I just thought I'd make because it's fun, because sometimes when you're the boss, you can get to do that. Yeah. Uh, we have a ship called the, uh, which I'll, I'll show you a picture of while I'm doing it, uh, called the Draka. Oh, or the Dragon. man. Now Which, you're uh, holding up a model, and John, that's as long as your forearm. That's huge. It is. It's a whopper. Uh, a lot of resin in this one, and it's called yeah. The Germans called it the dra the dragon or the draka, and uh, it was originally built for the Yugoslavian Navy in the, in the late 30s mm -hmm. as a mine layer. Uh, so they sold it to the Yugoslav nation. And then, of course, invaded Yugoslavia in 1941, mm -hmm. uh, took over their navy and said, we'll have that ship back. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so uh, so the, uh, they converted it. They took it as a mine layer. It's got a couple of 105 mil guns and some flat guns on it. But then in 1943, they did the coolest thing. They coupled it with uh, the very early German helicopters, of which they had a couple. Um, couple of designs and so it became the first uh, helicopter carrier in the world uh, and it was in the Aegean I think looking uh, about searching for British submarines and uh, uh, and I thought let's make a model of that now it's in the supplement uh, in the in the in the cruel sea supplement which I've forgotten what it's called the supplement but it's actually listed in there so uh, and rules for the helicopter and so if you if you're a real nutter I think you think yeah I'm gonna buy one uh, it looks yeah. great. Uh, oh, it's huge. It looks of, amazing. Well, just think of all the scenarios you can do with it, you know, uh, mm -hmm. hunting for saboteurs, hunting for spies, hunting for submarines, dropping spies off with the with the helicopter, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, fighting Yugoslavian and partisans because uh, Tito had a bit of a navy himself. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it would be a great function. It's also a great model, as you said. I don't, I, it's huge. It is a big model. 
but it's well armed as well, uh, mm -hmm. so it can give a good account of itself. So uh, to see off any pesky British MTBs or American PT boats. Uh, so yeah, that should be coming out in the next uh, two or three weeks as well. Very nice model. Yeah, and well, that kind of finished. That rounds up the uh, the uh, cruelties releases that I know of. Well, the coolest thing about that model, besides it being huge and having all the great detail that Cruel Seas ships do, but one of those details on that ship when you held it up to the camera just now is I noticed there's a little tiny helicopter on the back. Amazing. Yeah, he's a bit like a dragonfly. Exactly. And it had normally a crew of one um, mm -hmm. and could carry a very small depth charge. Uh uh, but uh, they were quite reliable, these helicopters. They did quite well with them. Um, weirdly, if you remember the film Where Eagles Dare... I was about sure to say do, that, yes. They actually they actually had a helicopter in there. Now, it was the wrong sort of helicopter, right. of course. I guess a Sikorsky or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but people always say, oh, no, 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 no. Didn't have helicopters in World War II. Anything. Well, they did. And the apart from the naval ones that you used there, the people who used them were the German mountain divisions. Funny enough, so... If you were going to see a helicopter, it would be in a castle like uh, mm -hmm. in Where Eagles Dare, funnily enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of got it right, but, you know. Well, you know, they, they, as you said, they did have the helicopter and they did have one of the best, wait, whose side is he on scenes ever in a movie in that movie? Which are your way? Yeah, wait, is he in that movie? Wait, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Fantastic movie. It was a, all our favorite movies at the time. It was a everlasting machine pistols which never needed to be reloaded those are the days the best kind of mp40s the kinds you don't have to reload <laughs> exactly well john i'm sure you and i can talk literally until the cows come home about all the great stuff that's coming but uh, I think Paul is going to pull the plug out of the wall if we keep talking too much longer. Um, is yeah, before right. before we get our, uh, our our before we get cut off? Is there anything else that you would like to say to the Warlord? Uh, I don't want to say nation, the Warlord fan base. Is there anything exciting or any messages that you would like to pass on? Because it has been, as you say, a heck of a year. I would just like to take the opportunity, Brad, A, to thank you for this interview, because it's um, uh, must be getting late there for you. It's early morning for me. Uh, and, and for asking about our health and how we're doing, I think it's a fantastic interview. Uh, I hope I've uh, not given too much away. But I would also like to thank all our, uh, our staff for sticking at it and all the Warlord customers for being so patient with us um, in these um, fairly gloomy days. Um, it's fantastic. You know, we uh, we love making modern soldiers because it's very exciting thing to do. But we can't do it without the fans. And uh, don't worry, fans, there'll be more out there for you. Thank yeah. you. And it's great that Warlord has been giving us plenty to play with, plenty to paint, plenty to to look at and enjoy during these crazy days, right? And we have to thank you back, John. I know, I know, I'm the host of the Warlord Games podcast. I know I'm biased, but I'm also a fan. And as a fan, I, I, I'm loving what you guys have done this year. I'm looking forward to what you guys are bringing us in the year to come. The future's bright, man. Thank you so much for being a part of it, John. My pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Warlord Games podcast. I know we had a little bit of a break just now. Um, 
We just had to get a few things sorted out during the holiday season, but we are back in 2021. We do have a very exciting episode coming up about the Victory at Sea book that I talked about at length earlier in this episode. If you want to hear all about it, stay tuned. It's coming in the next couple weeks. And I'm sure we will be spending a lot more time talking about the ACW Epic Battles box because it is awesome and we're going to have a lot to talk about. If we have not talked about your favorite Warlord product uh, recently or today when we're talking about what's coming up, if you would like to hear anything particular that Warlord puts out, uh, you can contact me through my regular Facebook page uh, for my regular podcast, which is Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you go to that page, if you message it, my name is Brad. Hi, I'm the only guy who answers. If you message, you're guaranteed a response. Um, and guys, I do have to take a second to thank all of you who've messaged the page during the Christmas and holiday season. I, I was blown away with how many of you um, sent happy holiday and I hope you're safe messages during these crazy times. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Let us know if we can do any more content that might interest you, especially during these crazy days of COVID lockdowns. Let us know. We at the Warlord cast want you, the fan, to get what you want. Have a good one, guys. Stay safe out there. These are crazy days, but we hope that you all are having a good one. Good night.